Hi, everybody. Welcome to Pockets Full of Soup, the storytelling show. I'm your host, Jared Petty. I'm proud uh, to introduce to you today uh, someone you may know already. Hi, I'm Diana Goodman. And on Diana Goodman's lap? This is Steve the Neurotic Dog. He had to come. Yep. Steve the Neurotic Dog is a delight. I've become a big fan of Steve the Neurotic Dog in a short period of time. Diana, thank you for coming. <laughs> Uh, Diana, folks, uh, folks might know you, uh, from a couple of places. A couple of places. Uh, yeah, I've been part of the Laser Time Podcast Network for a couple of years now, uh, and am a regular co-host, I guess, weekly co-host on, uh, 302010, which is a weekly look back in pop culture. That specific week, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. So we've been going through 87, 97, 07. Man, was 87 a good year for movies. Yeah, 87. And you mentioned movies. Uh, yeah. Movies are kind of, that. that's sort of the, I mean, you know about all pop culture, but you you are the movie guru of I'm 30, an, I'm, the, I'm, I'm a giant film nerd. I've been a film nerd my entire life. My parents are film nerds. I'm a film nerd. And I don't know why, just movie details and trivia and stuff just, just gets stuck in my head forever. And that's just, that's that's my jam and not just recent or... You know, mostly classic movies. Really? I'm a big, big classic movie dork. So uh, do do you seek out the information? Do do you go looking for trivia or is it more a matter of watching the films and just taking note of things? I think it's more just just absorbing it as it as it comes. I mean, sometimes it'll be incidental, you know, like Turner Classic movies always have lead ins and lead outs where they like have a, you know, a little bit of a story from behind the scenes or some little detail or something. And that stuff always gets stuck in my head forever. And you know, as a kid, I was, you know, back before the internet kids, um, we just have like the Leonard Maltin's movie guide and yep. I would just read it. Yep. We had one of those in my basement growing up. I remember mm-hmm. just sit and pour through the thing. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, for folks that aren't familiar with it, can you describe it? It's it's a giant dictionary of film. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just of every movie from every year, uh, you know, synopsis, cast list, star rating usually. And so, yeah, like Leonard Maltin or Roger Ebert or just... Uh, I don't know, Video Hound, Hallowells, all of those, just flipping through them. And whenever you'd find like a four star movie I hadn't heard of or hadn't seen, it's like noted in the back of my head. And then hope maybe a video store has it. Maybe. Just <laughs> hope that you could hunt it down then at that point. Some of these, even now, even on the internet and like illegally, uh, some of them are pretty hard. And then some of them, like, holy shit, it's on YouTube. They're free. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> odd. It is strangely inconsistent what's out there. I, I also enjoy old films. Uh, mm-hmm. I do not have the, um, I don't have the base of knowledge that you have, but I do very much enjoy the medium. And I'm shocked sometimes by what I can and can't find streaming. Yeah. Um, both both legitimately or through through YouTube or someplace else. I'm, I'm yeah. often, you know, I I, I want to watch. Uh, I, I couldn't believe that I couldn't find Straw Dogs anywhere, and and mm-hmm. had to purchase it on DVD. That was a that was a surprise. Yeah, um, there's a lot of. I mean, Amazon streaming and uh, Netflix in particular really weak on classic films, and mm-hmm. there've been you know articles written, and it's like why 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 is it so hard? It shouldn't be that hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you have kind of infinite space and infinite resources. Is, is it, it a matter of margins? It could just be a matter of margins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Um, I know Hulu. Does Hulu still have Criterion Collection? Uh, they did I last think, I looked, but yeah. it's been a while. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's that's always good. And yeah, just finding stuff that someone somewhere is a fan of it and they put it up in eight parts on Daily Motion. Not legally at all. <laughs> but it's like, what if it's not, it, some things they never went some things never went to VHS, and yeah. some things never went to DVD. Yeah. And a lot of things haven't gone to streaming. Every time there's a format change, some stuff gets lost. 
You guys actually had a really interesting episode about that on uh, on Laser Time. About from, stuff that's not on DVD. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, one about stuff that wasn't on DVD, and another about media formats that kind of failed, disappeared, oh, and what happened yeah. between them. Both of these actually. Yeah, but yeah, when when it comes to films that are difficult to find now, what's what's a gem to point out to people? Something for a holy grail for them to hunt down that they might uh, that wouldn't be easy mm. to get, but that's totally worth the trouble. Ooh, that's a that's a tough question. Um, I got a bunch of these for you at the end, but I'm jumping the gun. There's, I mean, there's a couple, like kind of the first thing that comes to mind is Eric von Stroheim's Greed, which is available in multiple cuts as a silent film. Ooh. Um, but his original cut was something like nine hours. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Wow>. um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do you have it? Uh, no, not, no one has the original cut. Uh, it's, um, it's just gone? It's just gone. But I, there's a longer cut which is still like two hours and there's a shorter cut that's like 90 minutes mm-hmm. and both well i mean obviously the, the longer version it's fantastic and it's just interesting as, as someone in the bay area that's like all filmed in san francisco in like 1917 1918 oh, i think wow. it is or no early early 20s i think and to see like oh they're on shell mound street that's where the ikea is now <laughs> oh my god it's like a giant dune okay wow really yeah so the so ikea got, was a dune yeah oh. it was just a giant dune yeah yeah i was driving just to the city uh, a, a couple of days ago looking around and, and trying to i san francisco has been a backdrop for for dozens of, of wonderful hundreds, films yeah, yeah. Uh, hundreds you're right and and it's it, there's a lot of reasons for that i mean it's mm-hmm. a very very nifty looking place it's a, I, but but of all the san francisco's depicted in film what's your favorite Ooh. Maltese Falcon. Yeah, Maltese Falcon, San Francisco. Maltese Falcon, San Francisco. Stuff that dreams are made of? Yes. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, they didn't, I don't think they even bothered filming here. I think they sent a second unit to like get some outdoor shots. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they didn't even film in San Francisco. But they get the flavor. San Francisco and film noir just have been hand in glove for, for since there is film noir. Yeah. Even detective stories, you know, Dashiell Hammett lived in San Francisco for a long time. Mm-hmm. He wrote about real places and real stuff. And, some I don't something about Maltese Falcon and just the the way all these eccentric shady characters are all just sort of hiding under the the normal life that's like people just minding their own business and all of a sudden like oh wait this guy lives here too yeah <laughs> like what does he do during the day like, <laughs> gets what up is, makes what does Peter Laurie's like day look like <laughs> is he sleezing around all creepy. <laughs> He's like going down to the store. I gotta go get some milk. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Cereal. <laughs> I, I like to imagine that. If you're not familiar with Peter Laurie, uh, you'll know him if you if you, uh, you know certainly him you you recognize him, him yeah. when you see him. Yeah, uh, I, I I I wonder. You've you've inspired me now. I want to write a screenplay for a for a contemporary San Francisco film noir about tech bros. I think oh, that God. definitely needs to happen. What would a modern San Francisco film noir look like? I, I can't even fathom it. Ooh. Let's see. I don't know. Mm. Be about. I'm sure there's. I, I feel like uh, maybe a new app or a, a new prototype cell phone would be the MacGuffin. Okay. The thing that everyone wants to get their hands <laughs> Sounds on. Sounds good. Now we're already well on our way to antitrust. That fine, fine motion picture. Oh, um, oh gosh. Oh, that was <laughs> that was a that was a Tim Robbins uh, right. uh, vehicle, and and truly that you haven't missed anything. I think yeah. my favorite moment in film set in San Francisco is is um oh what's the it's one of one of the Dirty Harry movies where you're chased by a remote control car through the streets. <laughs> right, There's a bomb right, on the car. Right. I I do not the the um the Deadpool. Deadpool. Uh, that's oh, in the Deadpool. God. The same one that Jim Carrey's the Satanic Rocker in. Right. 
Um, but I, think so. I want to say it's sudden impact. Like the Dirty Harry movies, all of them are pretty authentic when it comes to like even their chase geography. You yeah. know, if someone's heading down Columbus and then turns right, it's like, yeah, no, they, they did it. They, they just they follow right. the route. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's oh, interesting. They're, yeah. They're not bad. Oh, that's kind of cool. It's I didn't. I didn't know that about this. Yeah. You see lots of, uh, especially the first one, lots of good, you know, locations that are still there. Yeah. You know, St. Peter's and Paul's Church in uh, North Beach. And uh, unfortunately, the trestle he jumps off of onto the school bus they tore down a couple of years oh. ago up in Marin. But oh, that's true. That's yeah. a that's the problem with old cities, uh, especially in America. We're not particularly kind to them. Yeah, I, I was I was shocked. I, I was just old is relative with us too. It it's is fifty years old. We're like, Ooh. yeah, it's like the Eddie Azard thing with with totally to kill. Is over sitting... fifty years old. <laughs> If you're not familiar with that, take, check that one out. So we've done a little opening digression, which is very common here. No, the, the, there is. We, we've given up on all pretense of structure. We are going to go back to film and instant noodles. Maybe also some during the story, depending on what's what's coming here. I'm not oh, actually sure. It's all about filming my story. That's oh, is all it? I got, man. Oh, okay. Well, That's then all I got to live for. We're going to leap right into that then. Uh, uh, we're going to just jump right there and start with that uh, question. That's not actually a question. It's, in fact, a statement. But it sort of sounds like a question that I use until, you know, uh, we decide to change it. But right now, what we're going to ask you is uh, tell us about somebody you're thankful for. So, uh, yeah, in keeping with my uh, classic film dorkery, I am thankful for Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn. Oh, Catherine Hepburn. I'm so excited very, very, <laughs> for, for two reasons. One, Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> and two, it's fairly rare on the, on the show uh, uh-huh. that people choose to go outside of of uh, people in family or outside of people that they grew up around. Mm-hmm. I love it when someone chooses to to tell a story and connect with a human being that affected them from a different vector. So yeah. this is great. I'm okay. really excited. Well, I mean, this, the reason I, I'm going here is because she, I did live basically with Catherine Hepburn my whole life, even though I never met her. Because um, I grew up with Catherine Hepburn movies, with classic movies. The reason I grew up with classic movies besides the fact my parents are both giant film nerds, mm-hmm. uh, classic film nerds, was when I was a little kid and we were the first family on our street with a VHS player. <gasps> Ooh. Wow. Um, when was that? Like 80, 80 81. Okay. Wow. Really, really early for a VHS. Like my dad drove up to New York and brought it back to Philly to get it. Wow. Yeah, it was. But the idea of like we could watch any movie we want as long as we get our hands on it. Mm-hmm. And we also had a friend who had a video store and had already figured out you can hook up two VHS players and record the tape. Yay. So he would take videos into the video store for his rental service, but before he put them on the shelf, he'd copy them? He'd copy them. And send them to you? Yeah. That's kind of amazing. So I had Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back before anybody else had their paws on it. So I could watch it over and over because it was like... For a while there, it was you didn't really buy tapes; you rented yeah. them, and then that was it. What's the What's the first film you remember watching on your new VCR? Probably Star Wars. Oh wow! Gosh, that must have been that must have been shocking in 1981 to be sitting in your home and there Star. I mean, it, it, was, yeah. it was you know if you had HBO, I remember they they that mm-hmm. was where I was first introduced to Star Wars because I would play it almost every day and I would watch it almost every day as a kid. <laughs> uh, but but the the thought of on demand, just not having to wait, not having to check mm-hmm. the guide. If you didn't grow up in that universe, <laughs> can, Diana, can you express just what that was like? It how mind blowing it was. Every kid wanted to come over and watch Star Wars with me, and then we had tons of movies that we taped them off of network TV. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this this VCR was like the serious old school. It weighed like at least ten pounds. It had 
fake wood paneling on the front, oh. and it had a corded remote that was just on off one one switch, and it was to pause while there was uh, commercials, and then you unpause as fast as you could and just hope you got it. Because you were recording your movies off television. Off of television. Yep. And in, in our case, it was television with the rabbit ears. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a couple <laughs> where it would get fuzzy for a second, but usually not. Usually yeah. it was pretty good. So like that was the version of Ten Commandments I watched over and over because oh. they run that on ABC near uh, Passover and Easter. Absolutely. Yeah, and so yeah. that was the version I saw. And I realized, oh, wait, this is edited for TV. I'm actually missing a couple minutes. I still watch Ten Commandments every year on that weekend. That is my I love it. It's my favorite exploitation film. It is uh, so cheesy. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's uh, Vincent Price is so sleazy and swarmy and amazing. And the, I, I don't know whether he's worse. Or, who's the guy who plays Dathan? I forget his name. The actor. Edward G. Uh, Robinson? Yeah. yeah yes. I, I, which it's like a sleaze off between those two. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I think it's all it's all like Vincent Price going. Mm, soon you will sup of the flower or something like. It's <laughs> just like ew ew you're so terrible. But yeah. It, oh yeah, everyone overacts. Like it's like they're in the silent version and no one told them. Just yep. everyone's so big. Yeah, it, it, it's like somebody made an exploitation movie with with two hundred million dollars. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. <laughs> Love that film. Yeah. If you've never seen it, I, I no joke. It, it is absolutely worth the three hours of your life just to see how much ludicrousness is happening. Yeah, it's like you got the big spectacle and yeah. some cool fifty special effects and also just camp city. Yeah. So campy. So you had that one recorded off TV. From so we there. had that one recorded off TV. Yeah. And I think we had HBO at some point and also uh, Prism, which was a HBO-like channel that went out of business. Oh, and I don't know Prism. Yeah, that's it. It died. Okay. Um, but I believe we taped Trading Places off of that. And I saw that <laughs> copy a million times, even though it was not age appropriate. Um <laughs> Yeah, that was the fun with cable, especially early on. Nobody was really sure no. what the boundaries were, and, and they, they, they liked to push those a lot. I remember, uh, well, scrambled cable is a story for another show. Um, that, that's that's a whole other can of worms if you weren't around for that. So Catherine Hepburn came into your life. Did she come in through the VCR then? She came in through the VCR. Okay. Like the Beatles song. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, where I was going with this was that we had access to all these videotapes. My parents are classic film dorks. Also, and they realized, okay, the VCR is a good babysitter, and let's put on things that a kid would like, but also knowing classic movies, no swearing, no sex, no scary violence, no scary monsters, no blood, and, you know, especially like MGM musicals, colorful, noisy, lots of, perfect to put like a four-year-old in front of. That makes a lot of sense. And just go. And so I watched so many MGM musicals and Singing in the Rain and uh, you know, even that's entertainment series when those finally started coming out. That's mm-hmm. just the musical numbers. It's only the part you wanted to see. Oh, really? They just cut straight to that? Okay. That's what that's entertainment is. It's wow. just a repackaging of I didn't know only, that. only the cool musical numbers. And you just ignore all the stuff in, in and the And we'll just skip the boring parts and it's just a bunch. It's like, you know, YouTube before there was YouTube. of Like, let's just watch this Esther Williams number. You don't want to sit through the dialogue. Let's just get to the crazy swimming. That sounds spectacular. So, yeah, they're a lot of fun. Oh, they really have a lot of fun. So, I, I do 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 cuts of these exist anymore? I mean, can you can you get your hands on them? Are they on YouTube oh, yeah. or floating around? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That's Entertainment uh, One, Two, and Three. I'm sure you can find some. Still find out there. That's great. yeah. Or even if not, yeah, just hit YouTube and start looking some of them up. Like Judy Garland, the pirate. <laughs> you get to see the best number. There, you're done. So you grew up originally watching these musicals. Was mm-hmm. did you encounter Catherine Hepburn through a musical, or, or was it no? Nope, just one of the just the pile of movies. They thought, yeah. well, this will keep her entertained. She'll mm-hmm. like it, whatever. And it's so weird 
looking back and realizing how many movies were in black and white, I remembered being in color. Mm. I was just so, I was used to black and white immediately. And somehow, like, I just, I remember them in color. They were that vivid to me. That makes sense. That it just works. Well, I don't it, know it why people ha- don't like black and white, because that it never made sense to me. Well, it, it, if my experience has been that, that growing up also watching a lot of black and white films, eventually I end up seeing black and or seeing color also i don't always mm-hmm. remember it that way but but it's when i'm watching the film i forget i'm watching a black and white movie in a couple of minutes yeah uh, with a few exceptions when someone's deliberately using the medium to fool with you which which happens yeah. occasionally yeah. so why katherine hepburn compared to say being thankful for gene kelly or fred astaire or betty davis or any other classic film stars because katherine hepburn's type of like the roles that she played and how she played them seems to have really informed who I am as a person. Yeah. And I never thought about it until maybe 10, 15 years ago when something like Disney princesses became super popular. And I realized that as a little kid, I like never played princess, but I did play businesswoman a lot. Businesswoman. Yeah. My idea of like a great time when I was a little kid was, someone who works in an office and has to like walk around really fast doing office things that are really important. Right now you have to deliver this paper because it's important and then goes home to her fancy high rise apartment (laughs) and probably hosts a cocktail party. And these are Catherine Hepburn staples? Yes. All right. Absolutely. Where are we going to see Catherine Hepburn working in an office, living in a high rise, going to a party and having cocktails? Uh, Desk set. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam's Rib, Woman of the Year. Um, yeah, a lot of her movies that she made with Spencer Tracy. Mm-hmm. That's just in general. That kind of. I mean, she played all kinds of different roles. I mean, she was in Little Women. She played. You know, her roles changed, but she did have a kind of role that they put her in a lot because yeah. it worked. And a lot of it worked because it was very close to the actual Catherine Hepburn. If you read from biographies and her autobiography and stuff like that, is that she's very. No nonsense, kind of pushy, uh, you know, kind of uh, a know-it-all, um, has no time for bullshit. And All things that you generally see in Catherine Hepburn characters or 100%. characterizations. Okay, so yeah. very much in line with, with her actual real-life persona. Yeah. What, what was different? I'm curious. I, I, I don't know a tremendous amount about her personal life. What parts of Catherine Hepburn didn't as often make it into film depictions that were part of her personality? That's a tough question. Um, not a lot. I mean, she was very sporty mm-hmm. and outdoorsy, and that that shows up in something like Pat and Mike. She's playing an athlete. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, the one big thing I think about, I mean, her relationship with Spencer Tracy mm-hmm. is a tough one because uh, they were never married. Mm-hmm. He was married the whole time to someone else. And yeah. he was very Catholic and had a deaf son and didn't want to break up the family, even though he was living with another woman. Yeah. Um, and he was an alcoholic and he cheated on Catherine Hepburn quite a bit mm-hmm. and would go on drunken benders and disappear. Um, I don't think that her being able to forgive that I don't think you see much in her characters. And it's kind of creates, it's kind of a dichotomy of like a Catherine Hepburn type character probably not put up with that for very long. Mm -hmm. And she put up with it for 25 years. Did she ever 
comment publicly on the nature of, of that tolerance? Not much. Okay. Not just, I mean, mostly it was sort of like she knew he was a good person inside mm-hmm. who had an illness, alcoholism. Yeah. Um, and was trying to support the good side and not the bad side. But I think she toler- she tolerated more than I would have tolerated. So, There's a point where I would be like, I'm sorry. Sorry, I love you, but no. Can't do that. Can't, can't, can't do, do that. it. Well, let's talk about the aspects of Katherine Hepburn you did choose to emulate. So we talked about businesswoman, high-rise, and cocktail parties. Um, yeah, are you a businesswoman working in a high-rise mm. and going to cocktail parties? I'm 0 for 3. 0 for 3 on I'm that. 0 for 3 on that. But does that conflict with the self-image of the kind of person that you've become? No. No, that doesn't. Expound. Um, yeah, I mean, the things that draw me to her compared to other actresses and i mean you could say well what about joan crawford what about betty davis um in their especially in their younger days where they play also characters that can be pretty freaking tough mm-hmm. uh in in a, what we consider really a masculine way even at the time they would consider as like a new woman masculine kind of <gasps> she has a job um <laughs> so yeah with Catherine Hepburn in particular because of the no nonsenseness mm-hmm. that I've embraced more and more as I've gotten older. Yeah. And it's like, I've seen this before. I know how this is going to go. I don't got time for this. No. <laughs> Can you tell a story about that? Uh, a time that, that you found yourself channeling your inner Hepburn? Hmm. And of course, questions like that are very difficult. I understand tough... anecdotes are hard to pull out, but That's I'd really love to know. One. I mean, uh, the best easy example of that is, so I was, in high school and college, I was in a, a bad relationship that mm-hmm. uh, I think got pretty emotionally abusive, and I was not helping. I was, you know, sort of like the crazy makes you crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't behave well, but I think this other guy, is, the guy has legitimate mental issues, I think. Okay. And so finally, finally, I was like, that's it. I'm done got rid of him um and then the very next guy i date almost immediately i realized this is the same thing again it took me like a date and a half to realize oh shit Mm -hmm. and he started really i mean a lot of it's like is a big he was a big drama queen and everything was always these outsides emotions and i'm supposed to be so supportive and Mm. you know and just I really I don't want to get into all the specifics, but it was just like, what am I getting out of this relationship except feeling like I'm needed? Hmm. I'm not really getting anything out of it. Period. Okay. Just just that realizing that's not good enough, and I'm not going to keep doing this. Honestly, I feel like I overcorrected after I realized, oh shit, I'm doing the same thing again. Overcorrected is like anything that anyone did that remind me of my ex. Mm. I'm like fuck. <laughs> run away how long did it take you to realize overcorrection was probably taking place um uh, at least a year yeah yeah but, took me a while but it seems like uh seems like you figured it out i eventually figured it out yeah yeah i eventually figured it out and uh how long have you and michael been together if you don't mind me asking uh we've been together 17 years wow. we've been since we started dating and uh we've been married uh coming up on nine coming up on nine years mm-hmm. 
Angie and I have been together almost exactly the same amount of time. Huh. Yeah, we 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 met when we were babies, and uh, <laughs> it kind of turned out. But that's that's a, that's my story, not yours. Let's go. What about yeah. uh, what about Michael living with Catherine? What's that like for him? <laughs> well, it helps that Michael's very easygoing. Yeah, he's a very calm person, and that that's part of really what I, I love about him. At first, I was worried that calm was passive. Ah. Um. And that he was just letting me steamroll him with with the force of my personality and realizing, no, it's that, you know, again, like Spencer Tracy, not a passive guy, Uh just easygoing until you push him too far. Then he'll let you know. Uh And Michael is very similar, the same kind of thing that he's like, he's pretty easygoing. You know, he he just, yeah, just, you know, picks his battles generally and just... That's okay. Doesn't mind. Oh, hi, Steve. <laughs> hey, Steve. What's up? Steve, Steve, Steve the dog has returned. Um, yeah, just does, doesn't mind if I gotta just you know be my uh, annoying, uh, angry feminist self about whatever. <laughs> Do you think of yourself as annoying? I always thought of myself as annoying. Yeah. I think my voice is annoying. Um, I think my know-it-alliness is annoying. I think I'm pushy. Um, do you yes. <laughs> see that response in other people, or is that, or is that a self doubt issue? You think? Um, probably comes from like middle school and high school, me being mm-hmm. even worse on those fronts and being picked on and bullied for them because I was I was weird. I was not like the other kids. So when you see Catherine exhibiting those kinds of characteristics, yeah, do you admire her for it, or does it irritate you? I I admire her for it, but. Again, it's because of the context of the time. Yeah. In the 1940s or the 1950s, the idea of being, you know, a single career woman mm-hmm. was still pretty weird, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, a lot of her movies, either she's a single career woman or she's a married career woman, but they don't have kids. Right. And even that's where being a married career woman is even more bizarre because mm-hmm. it's like, why isn't your husband supporting you? Mm-hmm. And in something like Adam's Rib where they play married lawyers... It never comes up. No one ever says anything about like, well, I guess like a kind of bad guy towards the end says something like, no, you shouldn't have to work. You should be supported and someone should take mm-hmm. care of you. And it's clear like, well, yeah, she doesn't have to work. Mm-hmm. She wants to work because she's good at it and she enjoys it. She loves being an attorney. I remember when I lived in Japan as late as 2010, 11, um, uh, with talking to some of my students and People would be getting married, and when they got married, the husband would get a large uh, raise in salary hmm. because his wife was supposed to quit her job and have kids now. Hmm. That was a built into the system because that's how it's supposed to work. Right. But those norms were being challenged there as well, and uh, there was there was a transition going on in that at the same time. I got nothing against yes, the, <laughs> if you want to have kids and have yep. one spouse work and the other one not, or even not have kids and just not work and have yep. other activities. That's fine. Uh, I'm about having the choice. Yeah. The, cho- the choice is the issue. I that's, agree. Yeah. I that's agree one of those things. That. Feminism people, uh, feminists often they, they get a bad rap for it's like, you don't want anyone to do this. You want, no, I want everyone to be able to choose <laughs> what they want to do. You want to have eight, tw- eight th- thousand kids and just wrangle them all day. That's like your thing. Mm-hmm. Go go for it. Go have eighteen thousand kids. Feminists get a bad rap. <laughs> no, on the internet, no, especially. not. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, just the idea of like, yeah, you know, I'd be a shitty housewife. Yeah, I'd be a shitty housewife. 
I, I wouldn't be very good at it. Uh, what is your vocation? Feel uh, you know unfulfilled. Um, I'm actually I'm a copy editor. I'm a newspaper copy editor. Oh wow! By trade. <gasps> I know. Well, the last print journalist I know. <laughs> so so you were a copy. What what publications do you work for? Um, well, I've worked for a couple. Mostly, I've worked for newspapers, and I'm on okay. a smaller community newspaper. Okay. Um, that's the best kind. Yeah, it actually <laughs> it, it it's a weird paper. I mean, I'm not going to exactly name check it, but uh, I work. Yeah. In a, a small and incredibly affluent community in Marin. Okay. Um, where, you know, the median house price is somewhere around $4 million. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So everyone who lives there is either filthy rich or they've lived there a long time. And if they sold their house, they would be filthy rich. Okay. So that's weird. Yeah. Because their problems are not my problems. <laughs> and what we cover is usually the planning commission and stuff regarding that because you have all these millionaires who want to do different crazy things to their house and yeah. all the millionaires around them who don't want their views <laughs> or their privacy or whatever getting in the, you know, I don't want to have to look at your swimming pool. That tree is going to get in my view of the Golden Gate Bridge, you know? Yeah. So, I, I, I thought I'd had enough with my Florida homeowners association. I can't, I can't imagine what this is like. It's they, I mean, not just the planning commission before you get to the planning commission, there's a design review board where you have to go. If you want to change the color of your house. Oh, that's delightful. Yeah. yeah. Is there a list of approved colors? It's not that bad, <laughs> but you do actually have to go into like, here's a color sample. It's it's no longer egg crew. It's now going to be eggshell. And they're like, well, I don't know. Well, here's a digression. Uh, what's what's the best section of a newspaper? Uh, well, I mean, it's the entertainment section. Yeah, um, the entertainment section? And local news. Oh, okay. I have to say local news because... I feel like newspapers are the only places that still cover stuff like school boards. Mm -hmm. And that is the on the ground stuff that will affect you day to day mm -hmm. that you're not going to find online unless someone started a local news website or you've got really dedicated people on your like next door neighborhood or yeah. something like that. But is school boards and planning commissions and city councils make decisions that will affect you mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. Deeply and profoundly affect your life in, yeah. in a lot of cases. Even if it's just, oh, they're going to put in a parcel tax and, well, that just cost me $13 extra a year. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you're a renter, that's going to get passed on to you anyway. If you're a yeah. homeowner, you're immediately going to pay it. Yeah, the wastewater treatment board, that can affect what's going on in your life. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of impetus to cover it. Because it's not very sexy, mm -hmm. but you do want to know it. So why do you think have local papers carved a niche out doing this? Or Some of them have, yeah. or local websites uh, okay. here and there have been trying to, but mm -hmm. it, because it's not very sexy, yeah, it, it's pretty tough. And, and you're people a, aren't reading newspapers. And not just working for a newspaper, but you're, you're a copy editor. I am a copy editor. I have the least sexy job in newspaper <laughs> history. Um, yeah. People only hear about it because, you know, New York Times just fired a whole bunch of copy editors to streamline things. And it was nice that the journalists protested for us because a copy editor is kind of the last eyes on the newspaper. Yeah. Um, they don't assign stories, even though editors in the name. Um, once stories comes in, uh, we read it for, you know, accuracy, grammar, usually write the headline, um, figure out where to put it on the page so everything fits. Mm -hmm. Uh, is often part of it. That's becoming more of a graphics job. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like the last line of defense to make sure something really libelous doesn't get through, that pubic library doesn't get through. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> have you uh, have you ever had a, a, a have you ever seen an embarrassing uh, copy editor flub that, that that's a favorite for you? Oh gosh, um, I saw one. I I was starting to look them up and put some on Twitter uh, when the, the with the New York Times copy editor thing. Finding some of my favorites, uh, there was something in, from New York about Ma- Mayor Bloomberg. I really like that one. Blair, Mayor Bloomberg. 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 Ooh. Bloomberg. Okay. Mayor Bloomberg sounds like a like a character in something. Where, where, I know. Would be, <laughs> maybe an Earthbound. I don't know. <laughs> Mayor Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Uh, like that one. That's pretty yeah. Great. And there's something about like if you're feeling cold, crap yourself in a blanket. Oh, crap yourself. There we go. Yeah. Well, it keep you warm for a minute. For about a minute. Yeah. Then, then it'll then, cool off. Yeah. Yeah. It always weirded me out how poop was warm. I don't know. <laughs> Frightens me a little. It's, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, you get used to it if you got a dog. Catherine Hepburn uh, ever play a character in a, working for a newspaper? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Um, desk set. Oh, of course. In fact, I, I was think- that's another one I was thinking about more. She's, you know, in that one, she, she's working, I think it's for a TV station, mm-hmm. but she's the head of the resource library. Yeah. She's the person who does all the fact checking. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. I, I, you know, forgot about that until well into journalism school and then realized, oh, my God. <laughs> when, oh, my God, it's happening. When did the moment of self-awareness come? We're just like, wow, this this person I've never met and the characters they depict and I have kind of followed a, a, a kind of a parallel course. I would say it was sort of early college. And I can actually bring this into a, a very specific anecdote um, in. Hi, Steve. <laughs> In 1996, in the summer of 1996, I was about to start my sophomore year in college. Okay. And I got some sort of monster illness that huh. like, they thought was mono maybe, but I was out for three weeks where I couldn't do, I, getting up out of bed, going downstairs, brushing my teeth. Now I'm done. Now I got to go lie back down for a couple hours. I was so sick. Sounds like mononucleosis. It, yeah. it could have been mono, honestly. So, I mean, I was sucking on ice chips and like nibbling on crackers. I couldn't hold anything down. And it went on for weeks. Um, Were you hospitalized? No. Hmm. Nope. Never really went to the doctor. It was sort of like, <laughs> you know. Sorry, I laughed. Yeah. No, my, I kept like, mom, I'm like dying or something. And mom's like, hey, you don't really have a fever. No, my glands are really swollen. Oh, I'll call the doctor, but he doesn't think it's anything. <laughs> Three weeks go by. Thanks, ma'am. That's great. Hands off, ma'am. Um, yes, I mean, I was slowly improving, I guess, but uh, so I was watching a ton of movies, taking constant breaks, so I'd take a nap halfway through the movie. Yeah. And then uh, I started, like, reading old magazines we had lying around the house, and one of them was, like, they would put out these one-off classic Hollywood oh. movie-type uh, things about like here's some old photos you never saw before and here's an article about uh, the set decorator and uh, one of them had a letter section and someone said like i would love to write to Catherine hepburn uh what's her address and hmm. she has she, she lived by the un she had a home address mm-hmm. and they printed it she uh, lived in the dakota right for a while maybe okay I know Lauren McCall did. Yeah. Oh no, Lauren. I'm mixed up. Now Lauren here I'm interrupting a great story. Okay, please okay. continue. I'm sorry. So <laughs> I got my got my stars mixed. Great. Huh? It's not that great a story. It's 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 going somewhere. Though. It's going somewhere here. I'm breaking the um, flow up. That's what I did. Uh, so yeah. So really, and it just somehow got into my head. Like I really do like Catherine Hepburn. She's great. And it's just started thinking about yeah, like all the stuff that I've said about like being raised on her movies and, and mm-hmm. you know. Having the, the kind of getting the message, it's like a woman can do anything a man can do, and 
you know, don't put up with bullshit and it's, it's okay and people are going to hate you and, you know, use homophobic slurs against you, fine, whatever, but it's okay, you know, stand up for yourself. Okay. You can do it. Yay, women. Woo. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I wrote her a letter and uh, I was still so sick that this letter, I would love to read the whole thing because I know I rambled and got weird and was just like, you know, and telling her about that I was raised on your movies and I used to play businesswoman and I thought I'd want to live in a high-rise apartment and taking an elevator to home is like the best thing. And, this is so great. And, uh, you know, all that stuff. and then at the end, I'm just like, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sure you get plenty of letters. I don't know why I'm bothering. Anyway, I'm in film school. Bye, Diana Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> so you did go to film school. I did. I was a double major. Oh, okay. I was a double major. That's... And that's why I was on the five-year plan. Film and journalism. Film and journalism. So you wrote her the letter. So I wrote her the letter and promptly forgot about it because I wrote a fan letter to an 89-year-old woman who lives somewhere I've never met her, never Mm -hmm. knew, whatever. Some some assistant maybe picks him up and goes, Um, and so something like seven, eight months later, I'm back in the dorms and a letter from New York shows up, a personal one. And I'm like, what? And then it, I, all of a sudden I remember what happened. And inside was, I'll show the camera and then I'll read it. I didn't bring the actual letter. I have a picture of it. <laughs> inside from Catherine Houghton Hepburn. Dear Diana Goodman, what a really nice letter. Thank you for your enthusiasm and for bothering. Good luck to you. Signed, Kay Hepburn. Wow. So that's wow. my most prized possession. Oh, is it? Is it? Is it enshrined in crystal in your home? <laughs> It's framed in, yeah. a, in a safe place. That's it's not even out right now. Fantastic. I could not believe it. Just the, Not just like, oh, getting a letter back, that's so cool. But it's like, wait, they're mentioning me ending with like, I don't know why I'm bothering. Have a nice oh. day. I'm in film school. Bye. She read your letter. <laughs> Someone read my letter oh. and she signed it. And it's kind of shaky. That makes me think, oh, it's probably her then. She was kind of shaky at the end. Yeah. But she, <laughs> that was she like was her very, thing. very, very old. Yeah, yeah. Point. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's amazing! I, I've never heard you tell that story before. I haven't really. No, well, that's, that's just... you got a letter back from Catherine mm-hmm. Hepburn. Back from Catherine what was Hepburn. that like for you? Just I, 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 I'm asking you, what was that like? That's a lame question. How do you? I, the story probably carries it. I mean, uh, it's... well, I mean, to set the scene, I'm like standing in the the entry to the uh, the really shitty dorms that I lived in. Yeah, and so like most of these bunch of stoners are walking by, and everyone's just bored and dull and then and I'm like what the hell is that and I'm opening it up and it's <laughs> what's was, happening yeah was it a sense of shock yeah it was mostly just shock that, well, I mean because I barely remembered writing it because yeah. I was so freaking sick yeah and was... in retrospect a sick person should not be sending letters to an 89 year old <laughs> I could have made her sick <laughs> Well, I'm glad you did. What if I killed Catherine Hepburn? I don't think you killed Catherine Hepburn. It was seven I, it or eight was, months it later. It was years later. No, yeah. it was years later. No, that she wrote you. I mean, she, she oh, lived yeah. at least that long. I don't think you got her. But <laughs> yeah, the, the, that does lead to kind of a final question that, that, that ties to a theme I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you through this. Um, so you were inspired from your childhood and through the course of your life, a love for film, by a person that demonstrated a lot of their real personality and their characters, but still, mm-hmm. when you were encountering them, were playing fictional characters. Yes. There was a common person portraying many people. Yes. So you 
fell in love with a person that was also a series of stories. Yes. Uh, stories that mostly weren't factual, even if they were true. Correct. And that has deeply molded the course of your life. Yeah, absolutely. What Work, do you think? Works of fiction by different teams of people, different writers, different directors, all, all not a lot of people in common, mm-hmm. except that sometimes, usually they're the same type of movie, possibly by the same studio, but they're a type of character mm-hmm. that was often tailored to this particular actress. Looking back from this point in your life mm-hmm. at the person you are now and the person you hope to be tomorrow, okay. what do you think of, uh, of building foundations for your life on stories like that? I'm, I'm kind of of two minds because I, I've never liked the idea, despite being such a huge film fan, the idea of uh, retreating into fantasy to mm. avoid hard reality um, has never sat right with me. Um, I feel like you, no matter how miserable reality is, you have to confront it, even in little bits, even tiny bits, a little, you know, day by day, whatever. You can't just run forever. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, gamers. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. RPGs in particular, I think, can that that can. The high high degree of escapism that's a part of it. Yeah. So I think uh, yeah I think that's that's a double edged sword definitely. Uh, yeah, but on the other hand, you know, stories are how we communicate with each other in a lot of ways on a on a deeper level than surface level. I mean, we're pretty much telling stories all day. Like you mm-hmm. come home and you say, you know, y- your spouse or partner or your cat or whoever says like, "How was your day? What did you do?" Well, now you're telling them a story. Hmm. Hopefully, you're not making anything up. You're just telling them, I went to work, and then Greg was a dick, <laughs> and then I had lunch, and then I came home. I mean, technically, that's a story. Yeah. You know, character, plot, resolution. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what kind of an answer that is. It's a good answer. It's, it's a thoughtful yeah, answer. All things in moderation is kind of how <laughs> I'm trying to live my life. Yeah? Yeah. Greek, Greek, Greek ethos for you there? Yeah. I feel like everything could be okay as long as you don't go too far with it. Diana, thank you for that. And thank you for yeah. sharing the story uh, about Catherine. I, uh, uh, hopefully I can pick your brain about it a little more uh, later on here. But uh, okay. we're going to take a quick second for that uh, that little transition point here where we thank our Patreon producers, Nick Ray and Robert Nieder, whose generous support makes the program possible. Along thank you. with Yeah, thank you. Oh, there, sorry, I interrupted you. Thank you. Thank you. Along with lots of other folks who give on Patreon, thank you so much for, for keeping the show uh, going. And also all of you who subscribe and who rate us on iTunes, which helps a lot. So, you know, five stars is always the correct rating. Six if it's <laughs> available. Uh, uh, those who follow on YouTube, etc., tell your friends. Thank you uh, for making Pockets Full of Soup a joy to do, a joy to be a part of. Uh, now we're going to make that hard left turn that we often do, Diana, into mm-hmm. the strange and wonderful land of instant noodles. Are you ready for Pockets Full of Soup's Ooh. lightning round? Okay. Give me a second. Gonna drink some water. Loosen up. All right. Mm-hmm. Just going to loosen up here. Eye of the tiger. Mm-hmm. Eye of the tiger. There we go. All right. I got this. Now we're going to go to some of the standards here, but I think a lot of these I, I wanted to tailor for your film entrance. I really do just 
adore movies. Um, so that's right. actually first question. Films or movies? Films. Films. Why do you prefer? Um, I don't know. Movies sounds rather frivolous. Ah. And film is not necessarily frivolous? Yes, no, I, I get with like the all things in moderation. I'm a big fan of middle brow entertainment. Okay. I've really come around to it's like there's, I mean, some French art films that I just don't understand or just can't get into. And there's there's always going to be something that's just dense and artsy fartsy and just slightly beyond me. But on the other side, there's, you know, your Adam Sandler comedies. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of like your your king speeches. Okay. You know, your your Oscar bait middle brow entertainment. <laughs> I feel like it's just on the other side of the film movies line. Besides the King's Speech, what are some others that succeed in, in being great middle brow films? Ooh, um in a similar vein, Atonement. I just rewatched Atonement mm. uh, because of Dunkirk. Okay. Um because that's got a great Dunkirk sequence in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like that movie. Dunkirk or Atonement? Atonement. Atonement, okay. Um She's coming up on 302010. Oh. Weekly look at 302010 10 years ago. Yeah, and um, uh, while while we're plugging that again, plug I love 302010. Oh, um, uh, I adore your program. That's I, I was first exposed to you through Laser Time, but you you are you are a shining beacon of <laughs> of of cinematic light on 302010. Oh, thank you. It's it's a great introduction. I listen to 32 listen to 302010. And then I go watch movies all week that you mm-hmm. remind me existed that I haven't watched in 20 years. Yeah. Uh, or ones I've never heard of and go back and find. That's been the, the fun thing because we're going week by week by week yeah. to run into movies. It's like, I forgot about or I never heard of or maybe I'll give it a second try. Oh, my God, that turned out to be great. Yep. Or to just go back and you know really appraise like we've had Predator and Robocop. <laughs> we got Princess Bride coming up for 87. Yeah. This, and then but then we end up with like the last emperor which is like well one of these things is not like the <laughs> <laughs> and then of course diana's classic corner and then we uh, got classic corner where i go 50 and 75 years ago yeah that same week which is a little tougher because sometimes there's nothing to recommend but then something will like relate to something else and i'll be like oh well this is not a good marlena dietrich film so here's a good marlena dietrich <laughs> film everyone go watch this one what was a few months ago you were talking about something lovely olivia de holland was in what was it um, uh olivia de Havilland. yeah i said it wrong um, sorry i i pushed the heiress a lot i think that's yep. her best performance she's um, still kicking right she's still kicking 101 that's amazing 101 wow. just sued the makers of feud yeah. Which they filed a motion to fast track it because, P.S., she's 101. And it turns out in California, there's a law where if a plaintiff is over 70, they fast track it. So actually, old. that's great. So she sued Feud because of yeah. their depiction of her. That's, I guess so. That's she didn't amazing. Like it. I don't know. I, I thought it. she was depicted pretty fairly, but okay. Somebody probably should have checked. You'd think it's the only person still left alive out of all of the characters. Actually, that's not true. Uh, their daughters, Joan Crawford and uh, Betty Davis's daughters are both still alive. Mm-hmm. Betty Davis's daughters. Uh, interesting views. Oh. Interesting. She's, she's an ev- evangelical preacher who oh. now says Betty Davis was a literal witch and saw her levitating and summoning the devil. So Those are interesting views. Okay. All right. She was there and I wasn't. That's very I don't know. Maybe Betty Davis could levitate. Who knows? I wouldn't put it past her. <laughs> she's uh, tough. She's tough. 
So jumping back to uh, jumping back to what you're saying about middle brow, let me ask you this: mm-hmm. uh, you you're saying you're trying to stick to the middle on things, find mm-hmm. find good common ground. What is an example of excess in film that you really do enjoy and appreciate? Camp. Ah. Camp. Okay. I love me some big camp. Um, that's why I was so when they announced feud, it was like I have something to live for. <laughs> I really thought it would be the campiest, craziest thing ever. And it turned out to actually be pretty thoughtful and interesting mm-hmm. and not just, you know, psycho bitty slap fest or something. Were you happy that it was more nuanced or were you kind of sad that it wasn't more campy? Oh, I was much I was much happier that, that okay. it was nuanced and interesting. Compared right. to, you know, to, to give the, the exposure and the thought, the idea that Joan Crawford and Betty Davis had so much in common and yet fought horribly <laughs> and this was spurred on by yeah. basically the men in the industry could profit off of this yeah and so it's about their being exploited mm-hmm. um and if they had united they would uh, go total super saiyan and probably rule the world so <laughs> so what what the, yeah. what what uh what distinguishes good camp from bad camp um the intent i mean you can't it's really hard to force camp mm-hmm um, that's why I got no time for your Sharknados. Okay. You know, they're, they're trying to force it. Mm-hmm. You can't force it. Uh, you know, the room is, is fun because it's so earnest. Yeah. He really thinks he's saying something important. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you have to know kind of what you're parodying or like okay. where you, you have to understand the structure that you are now going to blow apart. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think one of the best camp movies of all time is Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh, yeah. The Russ Meyer movie, because it knows exactly what it's doing. Mm-hmm. It's taking something like Valley of the Dolls, which is super stupid, honestly, which I, another a camp film I love, the classic Valley of the Dolls. Yeah. Absolutely. My favorite bad movie, because oh. it's so stupid, because it's made in 1967. It has zero indication it's made in 1967. It looks like it could be 1947. Okay. Um. Everyone takes everything really seriously, but what they're saying is really stupid. <laughs> um, it's that everyone's overacting so crazy. And so the original Valley of the Dolls, it's fun because they really think they're making a, like a serious message picture. Yeah, that is gonna like win all the Oscars, and it shows Patty Duke's not a kid anymore. She's grown up. And she's right, fighting for her man and doing drugs and going to the nut house and ripping wigs off of people. Oh, she's crazy. And then beyond the Valley of the Dolls, Russ Meyer knew that the, the studio basically wanted him to like make that again, but yeah. like make like, you know, a cool like rock and roll version. Cause it's been a couple years. The youth movement has happened. Hollywood's finally catching up, make kind of the same story, but have it appeal to the, the youngsters now to okay. the, the young generation. And instead he fucks with them. Um, <laughs> He does literally make that movie. I mean, it is about like three girls go to the city, their loves, their losses, yeah. drugs, fame, men. But it's also halfway through the movie, you know, uh, a woman starts having an affair with another woman and they have a confrontation with like, and what about your father in the Senate? What will happen? That is like, wait, what? Okay. Her dad is a senator this whole time. What is happening? It just, 
Also, great songs. It's yeah. Amazing song. Oh, I love that movie. I, I really amazing do. Amazing So, is it the turn it up to eleven element of it that that but yeah, and the self awareness in that like it's a self awareness. It's yeah. not like they're. I don't feel like they're trying to make camp. Yeah. They're trying to make something to. It's a little bit. We're trying to freak out the squares, and it's a little bit like that. It's parody of the previous straight version yeah but if, if listeners to pockets full of super are aware of my strange obsession with riverdale but that's one of the things i love about it is that yeah. i feel like it nails self-aware camp pretty well Ooh. um it, it's it it by by the time it's found its footing it actually i think has a has a delightfully well done self-aware uh, a okay. version of that yeah it's it's kind of actually beyond the valley of the dolls is kind of a spectacular comparison to that Ooh, um, that is the most interested i've ever been in riverdale yeah I, I, based on I, that not people saying like oh it's really good or oh it's interesting it's like no they know what they're yeah doing. oh no riverdale is real riverdale is all about sticking your finger in the light socket they're just <laughs> they're just like you want to shock we aren't subtle. You know, it's just, that's how it works. Everything is always the darkest, worst, gloomiest. <laughs> Maple syrup is evil on Riverdale. <laughs> Literally evil. Uh, it's, it's, there's witchcraft and mysticism going on and, and murder. And oh, it's beautiful. I, I really like I really like the show. But uh, oh, yeah, nice. check, check this thing out sometime. I'm always trying to convert people to, to Riverdale. <laughs> uh, I've, I've fallen in love with it. Uh, that said, um, you actually already answered uh, another question I had for you, which is what's your, um, what your favorite bad movie is. Um, yeah, I want to say the 67 Valley of the Dolls. Okay. It's not one scene goes by without something inexplicably stupid stupid happening <laughs> that they think is really clever or meaningful or something but oh man who's your favorite character actor Ooh. so who's a working actor you re- really enjoy oh there's so many mm-hmm. well give us a couple then that's fine okay and Emmett walsh anytime he shows up mm-hmm. he elevates stuff and since we're talking character actors, give people some context as to where they've seen these folks. Uh, because... Okay, gosh, and then well, I mean, I think his, I mean, like his, his starring-ish role would be uh, Blood Simple, mm-hmm. the first Coen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, I'm trying to think anyone that's like qualifies as like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I always liked him. Uh... I said that's one of one of my very favorite parts of of a film is finding these friends i didn't know i had i feel like he might have graduated from character actor a while ago but steve buscemi oh yeah um i mean he's you know if you're lead on a tv show like boardwalk empire i feel like he's not character anymore that's who steve the dog is named after by the way oh steve buscemi yeah Yeah, his official uh full name is uh respected character actor steve buscemi (laughs) Um, there used to be a restaurant in uh uh, near where Angie and I live named uh, number one super new China buffet. <laughs> and Angie and I said, if we ever had a show dog, uh, that was going to be his long <laughs> name. Uh, like they do in the, at, at Westminster when they go yeah. out and they give the full name. Yeah. Um, that's his full name. That's a great name for yeah. a dog. Respected character actor. Um, Steve Buscemi. Um, I'm trying to think so. of a good classic one too. Yeah. A classic character actor that kind of yeah. stands out. Yeah. I guess Peter Laurie would count yeah. as that. Yeah. He's so so great and so strange he's, he's an so odd dude. 
so singular a person. And he was, I mean, a good actor. I mean, you see him in something like M, you know, where he's you know, in his native German. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, he's a bit over the top, but he's also pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a child murderer, so duh. But um, yeah, when you see him anything from you know, Casablanca all the way through to like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah. It's just no one quite like him. There's really not. And he's just, yeah, he's just kind of an odd duck. Peter Lorre is sometimes feels like an argument that extraterrestrials are already among us, and trying, to, <laughs> trying to acclimate uh, acclimate us to, to the. To the he, you, you mentioned earlier Peter Lorre in San Francisco and, mm-hmm. and the Maltese Falcon. Yeah, but I kind of got that impression just about him in real life. I, I really wonder what he did all day, every day. Um, you probably know some I, of the history of that. Uh, but... Apparently, you know, he's a very nice guy. Yeah. He, uh, Moved to Germany or moved from Germany with the rise of the Nazis. He was roommates with Billy Wilder. I didn't know that. Uh, my favorite filmmaker of all time, by the way. Oh, Billy Wilder's your favorite filmmaker. One hundred percent. Yeah, Wilder. yeah, yeah. I don't even think about it. Anymore. Okay. Well, uh, I'll get to that in a second. Okay. But uh, yeah, apparently he was sort of a nice, mild act, mild mannered kind of working actor. Didn't take himself too seriously. It's just sort of, whatever. Job's a job. All right. <laughs> well, what about uh, what about Billy Wilder? Why Billy Wilder? He because he could do everything. Mm. That's what is my mind. There's so many directors that like they can do different genres or they can try different things, but they usually have like the one thing that they're really good at. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Martin Scorsese, who would probably be number two, honestly, for me. Um, you know, obviously, uh, character studies, you know, gangster character studies mm-hmm. that that's really kind of his wheelhouse but he can also yeah. do something like age of innocence which i think is a great movie um he tries different things silence was difficult but mm-hmm. a great movie still i, but really, obviously, I really like silence yeah obviously something raging bull mm-hmm. or goodfellas that's you know that's the epitaph right there that's the kind of movie that he does the best mm-hmm. um i don't know if billy wilder had a kind of movie he okay. did the best because, I mean, he started out as basically a comedy writer. Yeah. First of all, writing comedy in not your native language. <laughs> inc- I, it blows me away. Yeah. It's um, like Joseph Conrad writing Heart of Darkness. Just. <laughs> yeah. Just. I can't imagine how long I would have to study French or Spanish, the two languages I barely speak, to. Write comedy. Be able to write. Yeah. Comedy that's not just like, oops, I fell down. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hey, what's that? You look like a dog. Oh, I fell down. Um, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so we started out writing comedy uh, for Ernst Lubitsch, another uh, comedy genius, and then went straight into making drama. He did something like Lost Weekend, which is kind mm-hmm. of a noir. Double Indemnity, the greatest noir of all time. Mm-hmm. Dark, brooding, unhappy, sad, and a downer kind of movies. They're, they're just gritty and tough and mean. Yeah. And then he goes back to comedy and he starts making wacky ass comedies. Uh, Some like it hot, which is incredibly wacky. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about two men wearing dresses. And it's the screwiest of screwbally things. It's so, yeah. so goofy. Yeah. And it's hilarious. And they start getting like sillier and sillier. And mm-hmm. then you find like a balance. Like The Apartment is yeah. the Billy Wilder movie. Sure. It's the Ur text because it, it balances it. There's a lot of really fun, goofy comedy. And there's also some really tough, like, deep character, meaningful stuff. And also, like, a satire of business culture. Yeah. And sexual mores. All, all in this All working in a marvelously bundle. entertaining movie. Yeah. It, 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 and it's, it's fun. Oh, it's yeah. It's still, but it's really, really fun. 
and also romantic and sweet and just tough. And I always say anyone who watched a single minute of Mad Men that yeah. they liked, if you haven't watched The Apartment, what are you doing? Turn this off. Go do that. You can come back. Yeah. Yeah. The Apartment is the lost season of Mad Men. Absolutely. Or, yeah. Mad Men, or maybe Mad Men is, is the lost sequel to The Apartment. That yeah. might be more, more appropriate. Oh, it's so good. It's great. I agree. I'm with you on that. Diana, thank you. I, I, I really, uh, this is actually the first time I've ever met you. It's, it's true. We del- know a lot of people in common. Yeah. But we haven't met. And it's delightful you were willing to do this. Thank you so oh, much. You. you don't have any more instant noodles for me? I'm ready. No, no, we're good. I, I think okay. we, we're, we've gone, uh, we've gone about, uh, about uh, the length of our, but if you want to follow up, I tell you what, we could do a, uh, if you want to spend a few minutes on a Patreon exclusive, I'll hit you for a few more. Sure. Okay. And then the good yeah. people that are, that have our single serving uh, Patreon tier can come in and listen to it. Okay. So, all right, Sounds we'll do that here in a few then. Diana, uh, before you go, uh, mm-hmm. we mentioned it a little, but plug away. Tell all people right. about the interesting things you're doing because you make great stuff. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, the main thing I'm on, I may do pop up occasionally on uh, the Laser Time podcast. Um, anytime there's something old-timey or movie-related, <laughs> they try to get me in um, so I can correct them on things. Um, <laughs> uh, and that yeah, that's a lot of fun. I mean, a couple of my favorite episodes, I went through pulling out like all the the classic music, classical music that you hear in cartoons and explaining actually where it's from and giving you the name so you can sound like a smarty pants. I haven't heard this one yet. Oh, that's, oh, that's from a couple of years ago. Oh, I haven't heard that That was one. a lot of fun. A lot of good feedback. People are like, I've always wondered what that was called. Um, let's see. Uh, but yeah, mostly 302010, uh, which is at 302010.net. Those are the words, not the numbers. Um, yeah, we just end up unearthing interesting things from 30 years ago, 10, 20 years ago. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago. Um, yeah, a lot of interesting films. We end up turning up, uh, not, like I said, 87 has been great. 97 is about to get great. We've hit Full Monty already. Yeah. And we're heading towards LA Confidential and Titanic. We're going to have a lot to say about those. I'm yeah. Sure, so. yeah. I love LA Confidential so much. I do too. It's so good. I do. <laughs> so I've seen it like 20 times. I don't care. Oh yeah, me too. It's 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 an every six monther for me. I love it so much. And Titanic will be interesting because <laughs> because I, it's Titanic. I actually have some things I will defend in Titanic, but a lot of things I will not. And uh, yeah, Titanic I've, has the virtue still of being my favorite riff tracks. I, I <laughs> I've never watched that one. They they do well. They they have they're they're on. Sounds good. They're on. For I got one. weekend plans now. All right, there you go. I hope you enjoy <laughs> it, and I hope you all enjoy this. Thank you so much for watching and listening. You can always send mail to the show at mail at pocketsfullofsoup.com. Don't forget the Pockets Full of Soup Facebook group uh, where you're welcome to visit. And Dan, what's your Twitter if, uh, if folks want to find you? Uh, I don't tweet all that much, but when I do, it's usually about movies. So at uh, listenernerd, L E C I N E N E R D. All right. Thank you so much for watching, listening, friends, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Diana. Thank you.